Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. you're here today. We are glad that we get to celebrate all you ladies. Um, Today we have several things after service. We have cupcakes, we have photo booths, but my favorite thing is we have tattoos as well. Um, So tat it up ladies, Um, feel free. Um, It's an anchor, it goes with our message, it'll make sense hopefully in a little bit. Um, But yeah, tat it up, you can take pictures, tag us in it, that's fantastic. Some of you are like, what do you mean by tagging? Um, But if you don't know, that's okay, it's missed you um, and it's passed on. There's a, uh, I was watching a a movie last night, I think it's called like Hunger Games Killed the Mockingbird or I don't know what the last ones are, Um, but Hunger Games, one of the last ones, it was on MTV and like one of the shows that they have out now, I was like, I actually would watch that. I probably shouldn't be saying that as a pastor, but it's like they let their friend, their ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, or their enemy pick out a tattoo and put it on them, like permanent tattoo. I'm like, no, I would watch that, right? Um, These aren't permanent. They come off. We're all good. So, hey, today we're in a series called Surviving Your Dungeon. Surviving Your Dungeon. And um, if you are following on our live event, just so you guys have a heads up, we're going to skip the first point um, because this is like three messages in one. And so uh, first service is kind of the guinea pigs. And I'm like, I can't can't do it. My wife was like, just say the first point. I'm like, if I say the first point, I'm going to preach the first point. I can't do it. So um, we're going to skip the first point so everybody knows it's following along um, because we know today you guys have a lot of activities and... I'm going to go long enough, I promise. I'll get mine. I'll get mine. So, um, one of the things... One of the things I want to talk about today is drowning. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to talk about, um, especially on Mother's Day, drowning. But drowning is one of the the leading causes of death in the world. Um, It's really become a problem, and it's really a a dangerous situation when it comes to infants and when it comes to little children, because it is what a lot of people call the silent killer. When you're little, you fall in, you just go plop, and you don't splash. I mean, you just you sink to the bottom like Will Ferrell on Old School. I mean, you're just gone, right? And you're just like, it's over with, and and nobody knows. It can happen while other people are there watching, not watching a kid drown, but watching and hanging out, um, and it just happens. And so there's several families from our church that they have uh, uh, children right now, and they are sending them through something called survival swim school. And I don't know if you guys have heard of this, um, but what it is, they take these small children, um, two years old, and the instructors, not the parents, take them in, and the parents are like, man, it is so hard to watch. But they take them in the pool and the kids are screaming. They're freaking out. Um, They're like, ah! 
and they like let him go. And the kids have to figure out how to flip over or float backwards and get to the wall. They're not teaching them to enjoy the water. They're not teaching them how to do a breaststroke or backstroke or go under the water. No, no, no. This is survive, flip over and get to the side and hang on for dear life, right? Um, and, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. How do you become a survivor swimmer? How, how do you do it? Because there's a lot of us here, whether you are a mom or you're not. The man, sometimes life, it just feels like you're treading water only to drown. And you don't know how much longer you can keep your head above water. You, you, you just feel like you're sinking and you're going down, 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 down. And you're like, hell, I need somebody to help. Our text is going to be found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 through 16. And um, this text came to me while I was going a, a long walk in Wednesday and just praying about the message and what I should be talking about and what the Lord would have me to speak. And this text just came to my spirit. And so um, this is one of my favorite stories in all the scriptures. It's about the widow of Zarephath. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, it says this, And the word of the Lord came to him, talking to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And I, I want us to just stop for a second. I want you to understand the gravity of this situation, of her circumstance. This is, this is it. This is the plan. There's no plan B. This is her treading water as long as she can. There's a famine. There's a drought that's happening. Food is hard to come by. They're all alone. There's no family. There's no sugar daddy. There's nothing, right? This is it. And my big plan is to, to, I've got a little bit of flour, I got a little bit of oil, I'm gathering some sticks, I'm making us some bread, we're going to eat it and then die. Can't, can't, I, I have a hard time imagining this, and then it gets kind of comical to me. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you said, but first make me a little cake of it. Like, a time out. Like, if I see a woman and she's like, hey, I, we don't have any money. I've just got a little bit of, I'm going to make a couple of dumplings and then we're going to go like just, I'm going to make a patch of cornbread and then we're going to go die. I don't look at that lady, hey, you know what? I, I hear what you said. Go ahead and do that. But before you do that, make me a little pie. Like, like how much of a glutton was Elijah here? Like, I, I, I see I see your situation, but can you make me a little cake before? I'm like, what is going on with you? Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour will not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until that day, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did Elijah said, 
And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Do not fear. Do do what I've said. And and I always read into passages of Scripture when when I I, I try to put myself in the situation. And um, as, as I'm reading this, what we're not told is what, why, why she is a widow. What, what happened to her husband? How did he die? Um, and why do they not have any family? Why do they not have any sort of support structure? What got them to this place? What got them to where this is their only scenario? This is their only option? We don't know. But what I do know about humanity since creation is that people love talking about people, right? Um, We are critical of other people. Um, If you don't believe me, just walk around the the Target, walk around Walmart's probably even better. Um, You know, walk around some places and just watch people and how they parent and try not to say something when people parent different than you. Um, I remember walking around Target before we had children and I was like, man, I can't believe their kids would act like that in public. Like when I have a kid, man, there'll be be duct tape on their, their, their face and they'll just be strapped into the cart. They're not running around grabbing all the cereal boxes and be like, I want this one. It's got magical blueberries, you know, Captain Brunch Crunch Berry Mix. You know, I'm just be like, you get what you get, you know, like, no. And then we had kids, Right. And your kids are the one running up and down the aisle. And they're the ones throwing the fit. And I remember when we had, uh, when Chloe was little, and, and, and Chloe was like a time bomb. You weren't sure how far you could take it until she would explode. And she didn't recover, man. Like, she was just gone. You were like, man, she turned into a whole different personality. And so um, I remember Casey would walk around and target. If she started acting up, she would pinch her, like all moms do, right? You find the little places you could pinch her, and she'd be like, ah! mom, that hurts. Why are you bitching me? And screaming out and all the moms are looking, you know, and you're like, shut up, close, shut up, you know. It just happens. And here's the deal. We become critical of other people very quickly. Well, I would never allow myself to get into that situation. I would never allow myself to get into that place where that was my only option. And some of you, life is full of critics. Some of you, life is full of haters. And some of you, for for some of you, it's not even other people that are criticizing, it's that you are your own worst critic. The first thing I would tell you today, it's really the second point, but the first thing I would tell you is that you've got to stop listening to everything. Ladies, moms, you've got to stop listening to everything. It's a... I think moms have a superhero power. I think your ability to listen and hear everything is amazing to me. We could go to Jinx Middle School right now um, or tomorrow when they're, they're all in session and all these kids could be running around and all of them could be yelling mom at the same time. And I'm telling you, Casey could pick out Charlie's voice and be like, that one's mine. She said it and she's over in this direction. We'll go to football games and there are the student section over there and there's hundreds of middle school 
preschoolers there, and she's like, I see Charlie, I see Chloe, they're the ones with the ponytail. And I'm like, they all have ponytails, Casey. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Where are they at? And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? I, I don't see them. They're the right there. Fourth row, two people over. I'm like, what? Whatever, they're there. You see them, I'm good. Right? Dads, we don't hear things. We don't know things. When the TV is on and we are watching football or we're watching NBA playoffs right now, um, we, we don't, we really do. We don't hear your voice. It's not that we're choosing to ignore you. Man, we've just zoned out. I don't know how we do it, um, but we do it. Moms, it's amazing. You hear your kid puke before they puke. I'm like, how do you do that? They're getting ready to throw up. There's not even a baby monitor in there. I just feel it, you know, and they have, they, we don't hear them when they're throwing up on your side of the bed, mom. We're like, when, when they get sick, like, I didn't know, you know, and you've already cleaned it up. You've already diagnosed what's wrong. You've already got a treatment plan going on. And we wake up in the morning, like we had no idea. You hear everything. That's a good thing. You hear everything. But can I tell you, moms and people, some of us, we hear everything. And that becomes a problem. That becomes an issue. Some of us, we need to become like a dad. (laughs) We need to be selective in our hearing. Because there's always going to be haters. There's, There's always going to be critics. And some of you, you are so attuned to when somebody says something bad about you that it ruins your whole day. There's somebody that says something about you. Maybe, maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody you don't like. Yeah, this is what's crazy to me. People we don't even like. Let's just be real. Like, there's people you don't like. There's people I don't like, right? Most of them are in orange for me. But um, I'm just playing. I'm playing. It's Mother's Day. Play nice. Um, but... There, there's, there's people we don't like, and when they say something negative, when they say something critical about us, man, it ruins our whole day. I'm like, they, you don't even like them. Like, why do you care? But they said something mean about me. They said something critical about me. And it destroys our whole day. It makes us question, are we a good enough parent? Are we a good enough spouse? Are we a good enough person? Are we doing all that we should be doing? Maybe I could do this better. And we listen to all these voices but then we start listening to our own voice and we start being our own critic. And what's, I, I hear moms talk all the time about mom guilt and I don't get it, which is a good thing, but it's real. It's like, I, I, you feel like you're never enough. And Casey tells me all the time, I feel guilty because I'm doing this instead of that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why do you feel guilty doing this? Like, you should do this, but I'm not doing that. I'm like, who cares? Go do this. But I need to do that. I'm like, ah, I don't understand. (laughs) But there is this whole, I'm doing this and I'm neglecting that. And you feel guilty. And, And heaven forbid, you actually fail at something. Right? Heaven, heaven forbid that we actually mess up on something. Because then it follows us around the rest of our time. Then it follows us around wherever we go. And I love what Proverbs 19.20 says. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline. So this isn't a message to not listen to advice or to not accept discipline or not accept correction. 
Because if you do that, you're going to be in a world of hurt. You've got to find people that are for you. It doesn't mean that they aren't going to hurt your feelings. It's that they care more about you than your feelings, and they'll speak the truth in love. But you've got to listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. What I love about this scripture is that it doesn't say listen to all the rumors about you. Listen to all the haters about you. Mom, it doesn't say listen to everybody that talks negative about your babies and your babies are 35 years old and you still call them your babies, right? There's going to be people that don't like your kids. You can't listen to everything because what I believe in this place is this, is that every single one of us has a calling and a purpose and a mission from God for our life. And you can't do the great thing as long as you're listening to everything. You cannot engage in the great thing and you can't be the person God is calling you to be as long as you're trying to please everyone. You're going to make somebody upset. You're going to mess up every once in a while and you can't listen to everything that is spoken about you, about your situation, about your kids, or you're not going to accomplish anything. Because here's what begins to happen is when we start in this realm, we start comparing ourselves to others. If only I was more like them. If only I wasn't so flawed. If if I had more talents. If I had, man, if I just could behave like them. If I could control my mouth like them. If I, you know, if I could be just more like them. And And we start comparing ourselves and we wish we were something that we aren't. And we begin to hate what we are. Past week, I asked Fish, um, our business director, if he could get me $100 for an illustration. I said, I'll make sure I put it back. Um, I'll make sure we get the $100 back. And, and I said, I need a brand new $100 bill that's crisp right from the bank. He's like, okay. And then I said, and then I want you to wrinkle it up. I want you to wrinkle it up, make it look awful, and just hold it and fold it and hand it to me Sunday. And so I've got it right here. Here's our $100 bill, right? Now, here's the deal. Um, Here's how you know you're rich. If I just pulled that $100 bill out and you're like, oh, it's only $100, you're rich, okay? Um, for me, this is a this $100 bill. Like, what are you talking about, Joker? This is a $100. I can buy things with this. Like, you give me $5 and it's a big deal. I'm like, that's $5? You want $5, Chloe, for real? Like, what are you going to buy with that $5? She's like, maybe a Coke or something. Um, but just because this is wrinkled up, And I don't like the way it looks and it doesn't look crisp and it doesn't look new and it doesn't smell crisp and it doesn't smell new. You know what I'm talking about? Like you get a crisp $100 bill, you're like, ooh, that smells good. Like ones don't smell like hundreds. I don't know why. It's true. You're like, oh, that hundred smells good. Um, It's true. Just because this is wrinkled, has been through a little abuse, (laughs) doesn't make it any less valuable, does it? Just, just because I don't like the way that that looks or the way that it smells or the way that it feels doesn't mean that this isn't worth $100. 
This is still worth $100, and here's why. Because whether I feel good about this $100 bill, whether it looks good or not, something that has a whole lot more authority than me, the U.S. government, deemed that this is worth $100. And can I tell you, no matter how you may feel about yourself, no matter how you may look at yourself, no matter what the critics and the haters have said about you, no matter how many mess-ups you have, man, your Heavenly Father looks at you, and you're not deemed worthy or valuable based on all your mess-ups or all your mistakes or all your successes. He just looks at you and he says, you are valuable and you are worth something. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. He who assigns worth in the first place has already assigned worth to you. And he says, man, I know you may not feel enough. I know that you may feel inadequate, but hear me this morning. You're valuable. You're my masterpiece. And you may feel like you're barely treading water. And you may feel like you're drowning under the weight of everything. But that doesn't make you invaluable and that doesn't make you worthless. So what do we do? What, what, what do we do when we're hearing the critics? What do we do when we're trying to not listen to everything? What do we do when the situation we're in isn't the situation we necessarily wanted to be in? I, I would tell you this, is that we have to stay faithful with the bit, the dab, and the few. The bit, the dab, and the few. The, the commentary on this passage of Scripture says that she took the bit of flour, the dab of oil, and the few sticks, and she was faithful and obedient with it. If you notice the text, the... the uh, Elijah doesn't ask for what she doesn't have. He didn't say, hey, I need you to make me a filet mignon. I need you to make me a chocolate. He does say a cake. Um, but he didn't say, I need you to make me a chocolate cake. I need you to make me a peach cobbler. He says, I, I just need you to use what you have. And if you will be faithful and obedient with it, it won't run dry and you won't run out. Just be faithful with your bit, your dab, and your few. And many times when we come to a place where we don't feel enough and we start comparing, you don't have to have all the gifting that somebody else has. You don't have to have the resources that that mom and dad have. You don't have to look like that person or talk like that person or parent like that person. You may feel inadequate with what you've been given, but can I tell you, God has equipped you with exactly what you need to be the best parent, to be the best spouse, to be the best person in your situation. And all he's, he's not asking for what you don't have. All he's asking is that you will be faithful with the bit, dab, and the few that you do have. And if you are faithful in it, you will not run out. Your kids won't ever suffer and run out. They will be, be blessed because you are faithful and obedient with your few, your bit, and your dab. That's, man, that is what the Lord is speaking to us today. Can you be faithful and use what you have? Because what happens so many times is we say, I can't because I don't have. I can't because I lack this. I can't because I don't have this resource. Moses did it. Man, if you look throughout the whole Bible, it happens. God's getting ready to send Moses to invade Egypt and release the whole workforce of the Egyptians, release the slaves, the Israelites, and lead them into freedom. This is the superpower. And Moses is like, okay, what are you sending me with? Right? Like they've gone back and forth, back and forth. And Moses is like, fine, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Fine, God, have it your way, right? 
He's like, so, so what are you going to send me with? And I think when Moses asked, if, if this is me, right, I'm just going to let you inside to my brain here for a second. If this is me having this conversation to God, I'm like, okay, so what weapon are you giving me? Because like that Thor hammer is really awesome. You know, like if I can hit it and I float up in the air and I'm like, I'm the God of thunder and lightning. Wah! You know, like, I'm like, yes. And, and Moses is like, so what, so what are you going to send me with? Like, what, what, what's the plan? What's the superpower, you know, tool that you're going to give me? He goes, what's in your hand, Moses? Most like a staff, like duh, right? And he's like, laid on the ground, it turns into a snake. And he uses the very thing that Moses possesses to do the miraculous through it. And can I just tell you, so many of us, we're saying, well, I will wait to do this when I become that. And we get our this versus that. We're asking God to do this when God is planning to do that. And and God's saying, no, no, I, I don't need you to have all these resources. I don't need you to possess this superpower to be the person I'm calling you to be. All you got to do is stay faithful and obedient with what you have. All you got to do, your kids, hey, here, mom, hear me. Your kids don't need a new pair of Air Jordans to be a successful kid. They just need you to use what you got and what you have to be there and be present in their life. Those Air Jordans aren't going to change their life, but a mom that is faithful and obedient and serving the Lord, you may be all alone. You may be a single mom in this place and you say, my kids don't have this, but your kids can have what so many kids don't and just a mom that's using what she's got with where she is to be faithful and obedient and bring the change into those kids' lives. Dad, you may be here and you may say, man, yeah, 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 yeah. You may say, I just don't have this. Your kids don't have to look fly to look good and to be good, man. They just need you to be a constant presence in their life and keep moving and working and you be faithful with your little bit you do have. And what the word of God says is that your kids won't run out. Your kids will still benefit because you've been faithful and obedient with the little you got. You may got a little bit but man learn to work magic with that little bit you got you may just have a little bit of resources and a little bit of talent but use that little bit of talent and little bit of resources to be faithful where you are stop comparing yourself and hear me this morning you are enough right where you are you're enough you're called to be an anchor instead of the wind You are. You and I are called to be an anchor instead of the wind. I love Oklahoma. I've grown up in Oklahoma. Um, I'm an Okie through and through. But we got some crazy weather, right? Like, let's just own it. We have floods. We have naders, not tornadoes. We call them naders. I ain't afraid of no nader. Um, We got naders. Um, And we've got now, like that wasn't enough, now we get earthquakes, right? It's like we're California, but we're a lot uglier. Our state, not people. Um, You're like, wow, it's really mean. (laughs) What's going on? We're never coming back to this church. Um, But we're not as crazy as the people there. So um, here's the deal. The other day, well, a couple years ago, sorry, I always do that. A couple years ago, there was like several earthquakes that happened like in the, like the same month and a few weeks apart. And I remember the first earthquake that hit, we were like, get ready to go to bed. Me and Casey are, are like winding down, get ready to sleep. And all of a sudden, 
the room starts shaking, right? We don't realize the room starts shaking. Our bed just starts shaking. Like somebody put a quarter in it. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Um, and so what happens to me, there's a whole lot of areas and ways this could go. I'm staying on the straight and narrow as good as I can right now. And so I always move. Like when I'm sleeping, my feet, you can ask my, I've done this since I'm a little kid. My feet just move. I don't know why. Pray for my wife. It probably drives her crazy, but now she's used to, I just move all the time, even when I'm sleeping. And so when this earthquake starts going, she just starts, I mean, just nailing me like, stop moving. And I'm like, I'm not moving. She's like, yes, you are. You're shaking the whole bed. I'm going to grab her and I go, we're having an earthquake, Casey. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like my arm's going to protect her, right? Like I have the arm of the, yeah. Um, so a couple weeks later, same thing. I'm up by myself in the living room, drink a cup of coffee, and boom, earthquake starts happening. And I do what I was taught in elementary school, right? Which was a long time ago, but this is what I've seen, this is what I've heard. I run with my cup of coffee, you can't leave your coffee anywhere, and I just rush into a doorway, right? I'm just standing there and everything's shaking. And here comes Casey. She gets up out of bed and she's like, what are you doing? Like she's, Casey is the sweetest person except in the morning. And she just walks in and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're having an earthquake. And she goes, thanks for waking us up, my hero. Like, I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kids are in bed. Charlie, Charlie said, I even came out and was like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, we're having an earthquake. Quick, get under here. And she's like, you stupid. Um, I'm just like, <laughs> here's the deal. There are going to be times, there's going to be moments where things just shake around your life. And they're not stable. And you're just going, what, what is, what's going on? And you don't know what to do because running in a doorway apparently isn't a good option, right? That doesn't solve anything. Parents, you're going to have time where your kids, their emotions are all over the place. Welcome to adolescence. And what your kids, what your friends, what your coworkers need, man, it's not that you can't be emotional, but you and I are called to be an anchor and not to win, not to be blown here and there and our emotions are here and we're up and we're down and we're up and we're down and we're crazy and we're, I don't know what to do. Who are you? I don't know what to expect. You are called to be an anchor because nothing gets solved with you getting involved in the drama of their life. Here, here, I'm going to spell something out. All the teachers, this is for you. When your kindergartner gets picked on, mama, hear me, mama bear, I gotcha. I feel it. I have a mama bear in my house. You don't have to charge in and teach that kindergartner who your kid is and what they can and can't do. Your teacher doesn't need you to send them an email talking about how horrible teacher they are. Man, just bring peace and calm. Hey, it must happen to Timmy today. I would appreciate it if the loser wouldn't bite him. That's fine, right? You're called to be an anchor. In 1 Kings 17, verse 13, it says this, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. Do not fear. Elijah understood this, that fear brings uncertainty and instability. Brings instability and uncertainty to your situation in your life. Fear, fear always has a way of doing that. And there was a saying several years ago that was really, really huge, and it's kind of died off, and I'm really thankful for it. And it was stay calm and carry on, right? 
there were stupid ones like stay calm and drink on. I'm like, what's that even mean? Like, what do you have? Anyway, stay calm and carry on. And nobody really knew what it meant, but really this poster came from a World War II poster for the British people. And the British government released this poster with stay calm and carry on to let the Brits know that the Nazis were coming in and there was going to be air raids. It was being a proactive measure. And the whole part was to up resolve, to increase and raise morale and help people stay calm in adversity. And there's going to be adversity in your life. And there's going to be times where it feels like everything is falling apart. And how do you stay calm and carry on? The first thing I would tell you is you've got to get rid of the what if question in your life. When, when you keep playing the what if game, your minds and your emotions go all over the place. And most of the things that we are afraid of and we're anxious of and we're fearful of, hear me on this, most of the time they don't even come true. And we've expended all this energy and all this fear and we've been blown here and here and all around playing the what if game because fear is, it always brings uncertainty and instability in your life. And if you're going to get rid of the what if, you've got to address it with a statement and declaration of your life. And what I have found is why what if brings uncertainty and fear and anxiety to my life, even if brings certainty and peace. What if our finances don't get any better? Even if my finances don't get better, I'm going to stay faithful and obedient with the little, the dab, and the bit that I have. What if my kids don't turn out right? What if they don't ever get it right? What if their head never gets on straight? What if they never get out of this funk? What if they're an addict? What Even if my kid chooses to do this, I am going to be faithful and obedient where God has me at. What if sickness is my life? What if sickness hits my family. Even if sickness hits my life, I'm going to be faithful and obedient where I am at. What if the dream doesn't come true? What if the situation doesn't work? Even if the dreams don't come true, even if the situation doesn't work its way out, I'm going to be faithful and obedient because I'm called to be an anchor, not to win. I'm called to be calm and carry on. And the only way that you can stay calm and carry on is that you learn to abide and exist in Jesus Christ. That's it. The only way you can do it. Here's what the Bible says. John 15, verse 4 through 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That word abide means to remain stable or fixed. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And I close and I'm, 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 yeah. You were never intended to do it on your own. You were never intended to be strong enough on your own. You were never called to be an anchor on your own. The only way that you're anchored is you're anchored to something bigger than you. You have learned to abide because I understand, man, it's too big for me. The worry, the anxiety, the, the widow of Zarephath, it's too big for her. 
She needed something bigger than her resources to come in and find her. And man, there is no place that's off limits for God in your life. And God shows up and he sends a prophet to her situation in the middle of a place that nobody is even worshiping Jehovah God. He sends a man of God, a prophet in there to find her and be in her situation. Why? Because she wasn't enough on her own. You're not called to be all of it on your own. You are called to abide in him because when you abide... When you remain, when you stay in him, that's when you can be fruitful in the midst of the storm. Somebody told me this in between services. He says, you know the point of an anchor is to actually face the ship into the storm. I was like, that's really good. No, (laughs) I didn't know that. That's the point of that. It doesn't mean that it's going to spare you from the storm. It's saying, man, I can be steadfast. I cannot be moved because I know what you've said I am. And I'm a choosing to abide even when everything is shaking and quaking around me. I'm abiding. I'm remaining in you so I can be fruitful even when it's hard to be fruitful. You are called to be an anchor, mom. You're called to be an anchor, dad. You're called to be an anchor husband and wife. You're called to be an anchor friend. Man, young professional, single person out there, you're called to be an anchor teenager. Man, stand out when everything's breaking and falling apart. How are you holding it together? It's simple because I'm not trying to do it on my own. I'm abiding in him and you're living out Acts 17, 28. For in him, we live and move and exist have our being. That's the challenge. Stay anchored. Live in him. Move in him and exist in him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. God, I ask right now that in this place you would speak to our hearts, to our minds. God, you see every person that's in this place. And Lord, there are some of us who are here and we feel like we're barely treading water. We barely feel like we're keeping our head above water. Lord, there's some of us that we've let others, voices, the haters, the critics out there determine our value. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't listen to what everybody else says about us, but like the song that Yizzy sang, that we would listen to what you say about us. We would listen to the voice that says, you are enough. And you have exactly, and you're equipped exactly with what you need for the moment. And so, Lord, I pray for those of us that maybe we feel inadequate, maybe we feel poorly equipped, maybe we keep saying, if I only had this, if I only was that, if I was only, and we play this if only game, God, that we would realize right where we are, right how you have created and made us is more than enough for what we need. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful and we would be obedient with the bit, the dab, and the few that we have. And God, I pray for every single one of us in this place, that Lord, when everything starts shaking around us, that we would be anchored. God, we'd be anchored to you. Lord, some of us, we've just gotten away from abiding and existing and remaining in you. Lord, I pray that we would understand it's, it's not an option, it's fundamental. That if we're going to be fruitful, even when it's hard, if we're going to stay calm and carry on, even with impending danger coming our way, Lord, if we're going to learn to function 
through adversity and stay calm and carry on. God, that only happens by us abiding in you. That only happens by us living and existing and remaining in you because it's in him we live and move and exist and have our being. Lord, I pray, move in us. And God, keep us anchored and let us realize, God, we're not going to drown. Nothing's going to overtake us because you're with us. And so, Lord, I pray, let us be an anchor instead of the wind today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Maybe you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here and I just need to recommit my life to him because where I'm at isn't where I should be. When I count to three, all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here you say, Justin, that's me today. That's me today. There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further and serve. You say, Justin, man, that's me today. There's some things that aren't right in my relationship with Jesus Christ or some things I need to get worked out. And that's just you before we go any further in service, you would join these other two individuals that raise their hand. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And God, I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I ask that your grace and your love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these two individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.